Uh, we are starting a new series as we approach Christmas in um, two or three weeks or so, talking about connecting with God. And I would assume that since you're here, at least most of you, unless you're just here because someone forced you or they said, hey, let's we'll buy a lunch if you come or something like that, that most of you are here because you, don't, not only, well, you not only want to connect with people, but you want to connect somehow with God, with the, the divine, the, the God behind this, this universe that you are longing for some sort of connection with God. And that's what the series is going to be about. And we've done similar series to this. Um, you know, every few years we do one. Uh, but it's always a good reminder to keep our relationship fresh and to see different perspectives on how we can connect with God. Now, when it comes to connecting with God, uh, the good news, first good news is, is that God is actually already seeking us. When we think about trying to connect with God or to find God, that that he is already seeking us. And throughout scripture, we see uh, he's constantly inviting us and he's seeking us and he's pursuing us and he's welcoming us into his presence. Like Isaiah 55, says kind of in a poetic way, he says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. Or a similar invitation uh, from Jesus when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That there's this this invitation that God is giving us. And, and we see these pictures of, uh, right from the book of Genesis all the way through, of God actually pursuing us, that he is seeking us, that he is reaching out. And so God is pursuing us. And at the same time in the scriptures, we see that God is asking us to uh, pursue him. And we're to seek him, like Jeremiah 29. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Or Acts 17, where it says his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from anyone. That uh, we are to seek him. And, and when we seek him with all our heart, Jeremiah says, then, then well, we will find him. And we see pictures of this like in Psalm 63 of someone pursuing God and seeking God and then, and then meeting and having this encounter with the divine. Like Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your glory uh, your power and your glory. And so he's thirsting for God, seeking for God. And, and he has this encounter where he sees God's glory and sees God's power. And there's this, this meeting of God pursuing us and, and us pursuing him that can come in the form of these encounters we have with God. Now, at the same time, what is also interesting is, is even deeper than this idea of God pursuing us and we are pursuing him is this idea that we're actually already connected with God. The deepest reality is that we actually don't have to find God or he doesn't have to find us because the reality is we're actually already in him through, through Jesus. As John 14 says, God says, I will not leave you as orphans. And then he says this, I am in my father. And so Jesus is in the father. And he says, and you, that's us, we are in Jesus 
and I am in you. And so it's just like a blender of, you know, Jesus and God, but we're in Jesus and he's in the Father and it's all blended together. The reality is that we're already connected. And we don't have to find God in the sense that, that through Jesus we, we are already connected in him. Or John 14 says, my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And this is, this is a temple motif. I mean, the idea throughout cultures has been uh, is that if you want to find a God, you have to go to that God's temple and then you can meet with that God. And so p- people would build temples for a certain God and then when that temple was built, then the God would fill that temple. And if you wanted to have an encounter with that God, you would go to that temple and meet with God. And you, so you see temples of all kinds of gods out there. And in, in the Old Testament, you went to the temple to meet with God, but then when Jesus shows up, he kind of rearranges all that. And he says that we are the temple of God. Hallelujah. And that we don't go to a church, if you will, to meet with God or go to a temple to meet with God. That we are actually the temple and that we are already connected with God. And so part of this idea of pursuing God and connecting with God is actually part of, is actually realizing what we, what we already have. And this is what Ephesians says. That God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And so this idea that we're already connected, that we're, we're in the triune God and mixed in there, and at any moment we're, we can experience what the triune God is doing in our life, and that, that we're actually sort of in a spiritual sense seated with God right now in the heavens. And so uh, we are connected, but I think we all know the, the difficulty with this. I mean, we can talk about this, and we can read through this, but... A lot of times our experience seems to be kind of disconnected with this reality. <laughs> that, you know, right now, uh, you know, the Father's in Jesus and I'm in Jesus. And, and then you're like, why am I not experiencing this amazing thing in this moment if I'm already seated with him in the heavenlies? And this is what, in, uh, in theological circles, and, and uh, uh, sometimes it's called the idea of the hiddenness of God. And the idea is that when our, our connection with God is, is very different than our connection with people. I mean, if I want to connect with somebody, I can say, hey, hey, Jeremy, let's go for lunch. And, and, and I can sit down with Jeremy, we can have a beer, and I can, I can look at him, he can hear me, I can talk to him, he can hear me, and we can, you know, give each other a hug. And, and there's this human experience when we meet with real people. Uh, we see people, we hear them with our ears, we can feel them. There's a sense that you know, you know, you sense their aura, if you will. I mean, their energy and, and, and your meeting. But then when we connect with God, it's different. To say, you know, God, I want to go for coffee with you. And I sit down and there's an empty chair. <laughs> and I want to hear God. I don't quite hear him with my ears. And, you know, I can pretend to give God, God a hug, but I don't really feel his actual hands on my body. I mean, there's a huge disconnect from how we connect with our friends in our romantic partners and our loved ones, then this idea of connecting with God is very different. And so uh, sometimes this is, again, sort of called the hiddenness of God. Uh, this idea that God sometimes seems far more distant than we would like, or we would hope that he would show up like another human would show up, but he doesn't quite show up like that way because he's not human. The Bible says that God is, is spirit. And so we see it throughout the Psalms, these cries that probably a lot of you have experienced that sometime. This, this idea of the hiddenness of God. As Psalm 10 says, Oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? And so we have this, this 
kind of funky thing going on that, that we're connected with God already and we're, we're seated with him in the heavenlies, but sometimes our human experience is, where in the world are you? You know, I'm struggling and, and I don't sense your presence or I'm struggling and why aren't you fixing this? If, if you're this all-powerful God, then why aren't you fixing this pain that I'm going through? And there's this disconnect which causes us sometimes to go like, how does this thing even work with God? Or David, who has had, you know, so many experiences. Read the story of David. He has these powerful encounters with God at times, yet other times he has, again, what sometimes people know as the dark night of the soul, the hiddenness of God, where he cries out, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And some of you have experienced this. I know I have. Because, I mean, I long to maybe connect with God the same way I, I connect with a real person because that's, that's what we're used to. I mean, we're used to connecting with people and the way we connect with people because that's, that's our entire world. And then it comes to trying to connect with God and it's like, how do I connect with spirit? I'm not used to that. It's, it's an entirely different world. And so it can, it can be troubling. Even Jesus, when God was poured into human flesh and God is born as a baby and Jesus is hanging on the cross and he is dying, he himself in a sense, understood the hiddenness of God because Jesus on the cross picks up this exact same uh, cry when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he, I mean, you can't divide Jesus from the triune God. He knew he was connected, but in his humanness, he was feeling separated. And we experience that at times. And, and this is the struggle we all have of trying to connect with God, that it is radically different than connecting with real people. Yet at the same time, people experience incredible moves of God in their life, miracles of God in their life. Some people have incredible sensations of his presence and there's, and there's real connection and just kind of in a different way. And so that's what the series is all about. Is, it's about connecting with God and different ways people connect with God and, and uh, exploring perhaps maybe you've never connected with God in a certain way or maybe you're shaped in a different way. And, uh, and this is important, uh, that everyone is radically different and people actually connect with God in different ways. And the problem is, <laughs> is that usually, you know, I want you to connect with God the same way I connect with God. Because after all, I have an experience with God and this is the best way to connect. We subtly sometimes try to force people into connecting with God in the same way that we connect with God. But the reality is everybody's different. And everybody connects with God best in different ways. And maybe the best way to explain this is kind of as a parent. If you're a parent, you don't understand this. Or if you have friends, you'd understand this too. That me as a dad, I have two boys that are kind of growing up and out of the house now, but if I want to connect with my older son, Jeremy, it's different than how I'm going to connect with my younger son, James. And the best way we connect with each other is different because they're different and our interactions are different. So if I want to connect with my older son, Jeremy, guarantee you're going to find us in a pub, eating a burger and having a beer. That's just how we connect. We have the best connections in a pub over a burger and a beer. But that doesn't quite work the same with James because he's got all kinds of allergies and so on. If I want to connect with James, you're going to find us, you know, dirt biking on some trails in the mountains. That's where you're going to find us. Uh, it's different. We're connecting, but it's different. Now, we're all God's kids. In fact, the Bible calls us friends of God. Uh, it, it's not just like some big head honcho God up there and some little peons who are miserable and dirty and rotten. No, the Bible actually says we are friends with God. The Bible says that we are his dearly loved children. Again, there's this, this 
amazing intimate connection, but all of us kids will connect with God in different ways. And me as a kid sometimes are trying to get you to connect with God the way I like to connect with God, and you're trying to get me to connect with God the way you like to connect with God, but we're all different. And part of this is understanding that uh, there is diversity, and we try in this church to allow for a diversity of ways to connect with God. Uh, but just to illustrate this, and this still is absolutely my very favorite moment ever as a pastor. It still makes me laugh. Um, it was probably about 10 years ago. We, uh, uh, we finished a service, and sometimes folks come and chat with me. But I had someone come up to me, and they were like, that was the most amazing worship ever. The Holy Spirit was just moving. I could just sense the Holy Spirit in the room. I mean, this, that was just a, they, just, they just went on and on how how the Holy Spirit was working through the, the music time and the worship time and how they were affected. And I was like, awesome, that, that is great. And literally, 10 seconds later, the next, next person I talked to was like, I don't think the Holy Spirit was in the building today. You know, that was like the worst <laughs> worship. I don't know what's going on, but I think Satan was really at work in the church building today. And they went on exact, exact opposite. It's like, we connect with God best in different ways, in different styles of music. And sometimes when we say this phrase, I really felt the Holy Spirit, is actually just a subtle way of saying, that was really shaped the way I best connect with God. And you can have two folks <laughs> in the same setting, and one is just being blasted and having this connection with the Holy Spirit, and the other person is just not because of the manner of how it's being played out in the room. I mean, we all connect with God best in different ways. And probably the classic book on this is Gary Thomas's book called Sacred Pathways. And through his research, he just studied folks and how they connect with God. And he comes up with nine different pathways uh, that if you kind of boil everybody down, there's sort of nine different ways which people best connect with God. And they're different. And he says some things like this in the book. Expecting all Christians to have a certain type of quiet time can wreak havoc in a church or small group. Excited about meaningful approaches to the Christian life, we sometimes assume that if others do not experience the same thing, something must be wrong with their faith. Please don't be intimidated by others' expectation. God wants to know the real you, not a character, character of what somebody else wants you to be. He created you with a certain personality and a certain spiritual temperament. God wants your worship according to the way he made you. That may differ somewhat, from the worship of the person who brought you to Christ or to the person who leads your Bible study or church. Again, that we're all different and we're all connected in different ways. And it's, it's healthy to understand that we always want people to connect with God the way we want to, but sometimes it doesn't actually work. That it's best to ask, you know, how can you connect with God or how best do you connect with God because we are all different. Or he says, people have different spiritual temperaments. That what feeds one doesn't feed all. Giving the same spiritual prescription to every struggling Christian is no less irresponsible than a doctor prescribing penicillin to every patient. And sometimes we just assume what this person needs. They need to have this experience and that'll fix them. Well, maybe, but maybe actually what they need is this other experience because God has wired them differently. And this all goes back to trying to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing rather than trying to push our own agenda onto their folks, which we always like to do all the time. And so he has nine different spiritual pathways. And I just want to finish by looking at these nine. And uh, you will connect probably with one or two of these, maybe three. And you'll see others that are just like, that's not me. 
and you're like, I just don't, that's just not me at all. But it might actually be someone else in this church. That's really, really them. And to allow for this diversity of how we connect with God. And the first one he says is he studied folks and how they connect with God are the, the naturalists, not the nudists, but the naturalists. Uh, well, maybe they could do that. I don't know. But uh, they connect with God best when they're outdoors. And their theme verse probably would be Psalm 19.1, where it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display His craftsmanship. These are the folks who might subtly say, you know, I would rather be on the mountain skiing than in church on Sunday. And we might like, well, that is not very holy or whatever it might be, but they might be experiencing God far better because they're outdoors people. And I'm one of these folks. I mean, I'd probably rather be on my snowmobile skiing right now than up here preaching, but, but I'm here because I do love you guys too. Uh, but I connect best with God outdoors. And if I want to connect with God, I will go on a walk. I will head up to my waterfalls. I will just get outside because for me to sit in a chair trying to pray and read my Bible, it's just, it, it's, it's hard for me. Uh, I love the outdoors. I know some of you do too. That if you want to connect with God, if you think about just having this awesome time with God, you're like, that awesome time is not going to be in a building. It's going to be outside somewhere. The second one, he says, are people who are sensates. And these are people who connect with God best when their five senses are engaged. These are people who... Like their favorite time of the month is communion because they, they see this thing and they touch this thing and they taste it and it's, it's very, it, it hits their, their senses. And so these people are, um, maybe can be more artsy. They, they, they enjoy the, the sound of the worship music. They enjoy music and other sounds. Uh, they enjoy smells. Maybe they would even use incense perhaps during their devotional times. We see incense in the book of Revelation. We see it in the Old Testament because it just adds the smell and it just, it makes the atmosphere to them feel more spiritual. Uh, Touch. Sometimes folks will hold on to a cross or a Bible or their hand over their heart or a meaningful object that is meaningful to their relationship with God as they are uh, connecting with him. Uh, Sight. These people, the aesthetics of the building are important. Uh, Lighting and and uh, the shape of things, and they might like art, and sometimes people light candles during their devotional time or have spiritual icons that, again, are important to them that help them connect with, with Jesus, a painting or something like that, because they just need their senses involved. The idea of just closing your eyes and trying to connect with God is very difficult because they need all their senses engaged. Uh, and taste, and again, things like communion and other things can be very, very helpful for the sensate. The third is the traditionalist, and these are folks that connect with God best through ritual and symbol. Uh, These people will often find themselves maybe more in a traditional kind of church with a lot of liturgy, a lot of responsive readings, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, These people love religious holidays, church traditions, the church calendar. These are people who are like, Advent, yes, I love Advent, and and Lent, this is so cool, And, and usually I'm the one who's like, it's Advent, you know, it's Lent, I don't know, because... I'm not this, but I know some of you are. And, and, and I'm so thankful because we get to do things like Advent, which I would probably not do on my own because I'm not a traditionalist. But some of you, you love responsive readings and, and maybe creeds or calls to worship. Uh, sometimes these people love things like fasting because it's a bit of a, a ritual that they can get involved in. And these people will often be very serious about their devotional times. It's 8 o'clock to 8.15 because that's my ritual. And then from 12 or they have set times of prayer throughout the day because they connect with this tradition. They connect with the atmosphere of, of just being 
the, the expected is all there and it's laid out for them. Uh, the traditionalist, you may be a traditionalist. And then there's the uh, ascetics. These people connect with God best in solitude and simplicity. These are people who kind of rebel against the capitalist kind of system. These people who just like to be simple, like to be predictable, and they like things to be more quiet. Uh, these people, even out of their faith, might want to live more simply. They don't want a big house. They don't want fancy cars. They just want a simple life where they can spend time reflecting and connecting with God. And these people may eat, eat simpler foods. Uh, they may have times where they have no technology. Uh, they enjoy sacrifice and sacrifice from the, the craziness of the world. And I'm not going to get involved with that because I, I think God is just this is more monastic, maybe, kind of lifestyle. Sometimes these folks will keep a day of rest, the idea of Sabbath keeping. And they like to give God time that is not in competition with social contact, noise, or stimu stimulation. And these would be, if you know church history, like the Desert Fathers, who just thought the, the city life was too crazy for them, and they couldn't connect with God, so they ran away into the desert to, to be with God. These are the more monastic kind of folks. And then there's the activists. Uh, these people connect best with God through creating positive change, social justice, making a difference in this world. They they go to church, sure, they can sit in church, but they're like, man, when I feel the Holy Spirit, when I feel fired up, when I feel the Holy Spirit going through me, is when I'm like trying to make a difference in this world and I'm trying to, you know, root for the poor or the elderly or the, 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 the underprivileged or whoever it might be. These, these people's theme verses, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. They're like, I see something that's not kingdom and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to get involved and make that more kingdom. And these people just they just experience God in powerful ways when they're involved in social justice kind of issues. Uh, they breathe that. Uh, supporting just causes with time, action, and financial support. They, they love providing for the poor, the needy, the oppressed. They like to make this world a better place. Now, this doesn't mean that people like activists never read their Bible or never pray. Uh, sure, we're, we're, we all have to do those things, but it just means that they're not, it's not the, their favorite way or their best way to connect with God. Their best way and favorite way when they really feel the Spirit is when they're actually hands-on. Number six, that Gary Thomas says, is the, the caregiver. These people connect with God best when they are loving others. Uh, they just want to, they're always asking, like, how can I help? And, and they don't feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit's really working through them unless they're actually helping somebody. These are people who uh, maybe visit the elderly or, you know, support people through personal crisis or watch children of tired parents or bake for others or use their gift to bless others. Or they, just, they just want to help people. And when they're helping people, they're like, man, I just felt the Holy Spirit. I feel so close to God. And they just have this Jesus-like compassion for people. And when they have compassion on somebody, they, they just feel the Spirit flowing and they're connecting with God amazingly. And then number seven, we have the enthusiasts. These people connect with God best through mystery and celebration. And these people, you always know who they are. Because they're the people who are, you know, kind of loud. <laughs> they're the people who love celebrating worship. They're the people who are up and putting their hands up and just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a party because God's so awesome. They love the experience of God. And let's have the move of the Spirit. And, and these people are into miracles and praying for miracles. And they believe God does miracles. And they love to step out in faith. And let's, let's have lots of faith because God can do this. And, you know, don't be, don't be thinking down at the dumps. Let's, God's amazing. And why are you just sitting there? We're worshiping. We should be jumping up in the air because God's amazing. I love those people. They just make things fun. 
They're awesome. Uh, these are the enthusiasts. Um, and we need those kind of people because otherwise things would look really boring and people would be like, this church is really dry if, if nobody was an enthusiast here. But at the same time, this is not everybody. Uh, I mean, again, we all want to force people to be like us and enthusiasts are always trying to get the people who are more quiet to be more enthusiastic like they are. But they're like, you know, I would rather you settle down. And, uh, and we have that here. <laughs> We have the people who are jumping for joy for Jesus and the people who are like, you know, I think I'm going to go to the bathroom for the third time, you know? Uh, and that's why we always try to open it up here and say, we're at a worship time and you're welcome to jump and dance and be a super enthusiastic, but you're also just welcome to sit there and lie on the floor. You're welcome to read your Bible or journal or just reflect because not everybody connects best with God when they're jumping up in the air. Some people are more number eights what are the contemplative people? And these people connect best with God through reflection and quiet adoration. These are people who say, you know, when it comes to worship, I can get up and raise my hand and jump around, but it just doesn't feel honest. Like it feels I'm just trying to play into the crowd and it's just not me. And so I'd rather just sit there, maybe just close my eyes and reflect on the lyrics or pray. And, 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 and I know some of you here, when you're sitting there, you are having just a fantastic time with the Holy Spirit. And there's people over here who are, who are just going crazy for Jesus and they're having a fantastic time with the Holy Spirit. It's the difference of how folks connect with God. And so these people prefer more reflective worship with lots of space where there's maybe less singing. Uh, they love journaling, very slow scripture reading, uh, listening to God. These people enjoy resting in God's presence. These are people who will spend more time listening than talking. Enthusiasts will talk a lot and get involved a lot and try to rally other people to get involved. And, and these folks just want to be more quiet because they just, man, I can connect with God in the quiet. And I'm a little bit more this way, probably, a uh, bit more contemplative, contemplative. Uh, then lastly, we have the intellectuals. These people connect best with God when their mind is engaged. These are the guys who, who are just like, can you get the worship over with because I'm waiting for the sermon? You know, these people are like, I just give me a book. Uh, you know, if you're like, hey, do you want to go to a fantastic worship night? They're like, I would rather read systematic theology. And, and, and I'll have a better encounter with the Holy Spirit while doing that. And so uh, these folks, again, like teaching that engages the mind. And we try to switch it up here a little bit. Like sometimes I'll do more series that are more intellectually based and then series that maybe hit on some of the other things. Uh, these people love books and podcasts. They love to study theology. They like formal education. They might memorize scripture. Uh, they might get into apologetics, which is, you know, defending the faith because they just like things that go into their mind. And we have some of those folks here. And, and they're very smart and they, they know their theology and because they just connect with God best in that way. And so this is part of this is appreciating the diversity here. Because uh, the reality is we have all nine folks here. Uh, this church probably tends to some more than other, like someone who's more, maybe more of a traditionalist might find it tougher here and they might say, you know, I'm gonna, I grow best more in an Anglican church than at this church because they have more tradition and liturgy and responsive readings. And you know what? That's okay. I always say, go where you're going to grow. <laughs> go where you're going to connect best with God. And it may not be here. It might be at another church. Uh, but if you find you can connect with God best here, I uh, will welcome to have you here. So this is this diversity of... Um, these sacred pathways. 